When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Winning Plays podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Welcome back to the Winning Plays podcast with Brian Robb and Michael Pina. I'm Rich Levine. Guys, I, I don't even know. When is the last time that the three of us were together on a, on a Zoom staring into each other's eyes? Gordon Hayward was on the Celtics. Um. <laughs> That's for, I think Antoine Walker might have been on the Celtics. <laughs> <laughs> Should, uh, and Mike that- hadn't written the greatest Jalen Brown feature on the internet. That was, it was a couple. Too kind. Too no. kind, be GQ.com, folks. If you haven't checked it out yet, that's where Mike has been for much of the last two months. Um, Rich has been doing important things like being a, a good father. I've been creating life. Creating life. So, you know, varying, <laughs> varying importance. But it's nice to be back. I, I, I have missed you guys. And I am... I am very excited that we are back together for this uh, a pretty, I don't say a turning point for the Celtics, but definitely uh, a pretty big weekend for the Celtics when it comes to uh, NBA free agency. I think turning point is fair. Turning point to what, I guess is the question, yeah, but sure. certainly a, a moment that, that there is before and after Gordon Hayward. Yes. That's a sizable subtraction for this team. Pino, what, are, what were your initial thoughts on, on what happened? One of my first thoughts, honestly, was trying to summarize the Gordon Hayward era. And, like, you just said it was, like, a turning point before and after, Rich. I I mean, like, I don't know. It it, it was so bizarre, so quick, so, like, anticlimactic. Uh, Like, I, I respect Gordon's game. I'm a fan of it in a lot of ways he helped the Celtics when he was healthy but so wildly disappointing and I wasn't I mean when you sign a guy to a max contract he misses the first season and then just straight up is not even close to as athletic or aggressive as he was in the previous season when he was an all-star in Utah like just wildly a letdown I guess and I personally you know I I was stunned that the Charlotte Hornets were willing to pay him $120 million over four years. And I do not blame the Celtics for not matching that. I think that would have been a big mistake, but um, I don't know. I just don't even think it's like, I think it is a, a, a something worth discussing. Of course, I don't think it is this cataclysmic loss, I guess. Would it take $120 million for you to start for 82 games next to Terry Rozier and LaMelo Ball? <laughs> I mean, it's it's Terry's team still, as far as I'm concerned. Um, always, always Terry. <laughs> uh, just a bizarre, bizarre happenings going on in Charlotte. But like, I'm happy for Gordon for getting that money, I guess. Um, and I guess like we still don't know, B. Rob, exactly what the deal is with regards to whether or not there will be a sign and trade. Is that correct? Yeah. So as of 4:20 on on Tuesday afternoon when we're recording this, uh, there's that's still very much in play. I Imagine right now, guys, that the longer this takes, the more likely a sign trade becomes because if it wasn't going to happen, I would, I would think that Hayward would be officially a, a Hornet by now. But the, the, there's a bunch of different ways to do it. But the bottom line is I would think the Celtics currently are interested in a sign trade since they need to want that trade exception or at least something coming back with Hayward walking out the door. The Hornets probably have a better way of clearing cap space and having three years of $9 million in dead cap uh, in Batum's contract. Uh, 
messing up their books. And so now it's just going to be how much are the Hornets going to leverage Danny Ainge in terms of draft compensation to, uh, to make something done, or maybe, uh, you know, Sam Presti walks into the party and, you know, says, give me another first round pick and I'll take Cody Zeller and, you know, make it run happy here. So it will be, my guess is something gets done and that'll make this look a little better for the Celtics rich, but this is still, um, I mean, this is still not great to have your third max, not even free agent, but just third max player walk out the door for mm, not totally nothing, but close to nothing. Yeah. And I know that's sort of become the narrative and, and I understand it's not ideal, especially, I don't know, that Celtics would be better this year if Gordon Hayward was there, but Kyrie Irving and Al Horford, is it, is there a chance that the Celtics are better off for those guys having left? Sure. Is there a chance that in the long term the Celtics will be better off not paying, you know, their fourth best player and Gordon Hayward, you know, if it was going to be like a hundred over four years, is there a chance that they'll be better off for, for Gordon having left? I think there's a chance. Yes, definitely. I mean, in my opinion, definitely there's a chance. Yeah. Um, I, the Horford one is super interesting to me just because like, look at Al Horford right now. Um <laughs> In, I don't understand how anyone could be critical of Boston, Boston's front office um, for handling that negotiation the way they did and seeing, uh, you know, he goes to Philadelphia and it's a total disaster and they get one of the smartest GMs in the league. And the first move that Daryl Morey makes is to trade Al Horford. Like it's no secret <laughs> that it was a terrible move on everyone's part, except for Al Horford who got paid, but now he's in Oklahoma city languishing there and he will probably be there because Sam Presti's not able to move that contract to get a first round pick, which is the only transactions that uh, Sam Presti conducts right now. Um, and, you know, the other player is Kyrie. Kyrie is super talented. Uh, you know, we've talked about this a million times ad nauseum of the chemical imbalance, no pun intended, uh, that he had in the Celtics locker room and it just wasn't working out there. So, and not just, uh, not just in the Celtics locker room, right. That's kind of, yeah. Whatever right. locker room he's in, it's kind of, a, it's kind right. of the deal. I'll say one thing that's different between Gordon and Al though, is that Al's lack of production in Philly and even at the tail end of his Celtics career, wasn't a matter of injury. Maybe he had some concussion injury, uh, issues that you could say, but Gordon went healthy I think was still a lot more effective than Al Horford. Yes. It's just a matter of if Gordon can, can stay healthy. Like, like what, what's his best case scenario in Charlotte? Do you think he can average 20 points a game? For sure, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, I say how many shots, go, how many shots there are to go around, but that's, that's, what they're, what's, that's, what, that's what they're paying for. Yeah, I mean, what, what was his best year in Utah? I think that's, like, very much in play here. He's going to, you know, get the shots. And I guess this is... I mean, if there's anything to not critique the, the Celtics on here with Herod, because I think the, a lot of this stuff was out of their control once he got hurt on that opening night. And then the progression of Jalen Brown and Tatum came into play, like things were just not going to be the same. Um, and even when things got right for Hayward, he would get hurt again like he did this past year. And if it's clear to as day, it seems like that priority number one for him in this was A, getting the most money and and if he couldn't go to Indy, like getting a bigger role, um, that over winning. So I think there is, you know, from the Celtics perspective, I'm sure that they um, probably thought that, hey, at the worst, what's going to happen here is we're going to get something out of Indy for him, or he's probably going to come back because who wants to go, you know, play on a bad team as a number one, you know, even if you're the number one option. And for a guy, I guess that's Hayward's like, 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 yeah. That's I want. I want that because I'm not going to be an all star here. Uh, yeah, it's 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 uh, it's really fascinating just all the different reasons why a player would want to leave a situation like this. Um, presumably, you know, if he were to come back, they would be. I guess this would trickle into a conversation we're going to have later on. But like one of the best, if not the best team in the Eastern Conference, right? Like you presume that Jalen will take a step forward and Tatum will take a step forward and Kemba will be healthier than he was in the bubble and Gordon will be healthier than he was in the bubble, et cetera. Um, but, 
yeah, like there is the, I guess like, what is the best case scenario now for the Celtics in your, in either of your guys' eyes when it comes to the sign and trade scenario? I mean, B-Rob, you mentioned the trade exception, um, which would obviously be beneficial. It would hard cap the Celtics, um, but that's fine, I guess. Right. I'm pretty sure they have enough room to get a pretty solid player um, in a transaction. Um, but, you know, like if they don't, do a sign and trade here and uh, the Hornets are just stubborn and willing to stretch Nick Batum, which would be (laughs) quite the move. Um, Like what, like what is the ceiling for the Celtics team? Rich, I'll give you this first. I'm just looking, I'm looking at Charlotte's roster right now. I'm just trying to think of it. I mean, I, and I heard, by the way, quick shout out to Ryan Bernardoni for, for all the work he did. What was it? It's been a month, month, two months. Yeah. Obviously anyone who follows him, follows him on Twitter, follows his work knows that it is another thing. As we learned again with what happened with Gordon Hayward, there are very few people who actually know what they're talking about. Uh, And I think Ryan proves over and over that he's one of the few that really does. So great job over the last month or so for Ryan. I'm sure we'll be hearing from him again. Um, But is there any other, what players on the, uh, because I started, he threw out Cody Zeller at one point. Yeah. So there's two, the, the way, Charlotte has to clear out like $9 million essentially from their to, to sign Hayward outright to make a sign and trade work. So that, so there's only a couple of players on the roster that make that money. It's, it's Cody Zeller, it's Terry Rozier and it's like Batum. And then it's a bunch of guys that they don't want to move like Washington and bridges and stuff that make less and aren't going to go anywhere as part of this. So I think the, the question is for a sign and trade is like, can you find a team that maybe wants Cody Zeller? and has a big trade exception like the Thunder um, and get that. You could conceivably say if you're the Celtics, hey, trade us Cody Zeller back and we'll maybe, I think Grimer suggested like Tice for Zeller and you still get a, a pretty big trade exception. Like something like that could be in play. Um, I think my favorite would be in terms of like best case scenario for the Celtics is you work a sign trade in and the Thunder have Trevor Reza and George Hill there. So maybe you give up a first round pick and something else. You get the trade exception and you also get one of those two guys. And I think that, especially now if Kemba Walker's not ready to go for the start of the season, which it sounds like he's not, I, it sounds like they're going to play uh, very careful with him. Then is that, is that right? I think Brad Stevens said that he was on with Jeff Goodman and Bob Ryan today. And I think his, I haven't listened to it yet, but I read that, his status for opening night is uncertain, uncertain. So oh. if that's the case. Um, I did not know that. Yeah. yeah I mean, I'll a... look at it. I'll, I'll, I'll wait. you guys talk and I'll try to find it right now because I don't want to say it hundred percent, but. Well, um, I mean, they, that they signed Jeff Teague. So like, right. I mean, problem solved. <laughs> <laughs> Hang up that banner right now. Um, real quick, Rich, before you go, I just want to say that um, like bringing back Batum I would be fine with that. And I think Batum uh, obviously has been atrocious on one of the worst contracts since he signed it. But Batum, the player, theoretically, in Boston, doing what he would have to do in Boston without any pressure of living up to a monstrous contract, et cetera, or carrying an offense for any stretch, like that's a pretty solid basketball player. Still overpaid, but for one year, uh, and filling a positional need, um, I would be fine with that. Yeah, um, I, I hear you on that. He's only, he's only, only going to be 32 years old in, in December. And I think he'd be one of those guys just to, after all he's been through, to find himself in the thick of the, you know, the playoff race once again. And if he's got anything left, I think that could be a place where uh, Boston could be a place that he could turn around a little bit. Um, I have the quote for you guys on Kemba if you oh, want perfect. it. Um, well, for, for actually, first, yeah. Bureau, let, let me say to everybody, mostly you two, that the NFL continues on this week. Uh, and it has a few surprise teams at the top of the standings. You might not be able to be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. No matter how the schedules change or the players play, Bet Online is going that extra mile to make sure you can get in on every game this season with the fastest updated odds in the industry. There are always more options to wager than anywhere else online. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great midseason bonuses, offers, and contests. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. And 
be Robert ready for the for, for the first of many stories of how this knee injury is going <laughs> to bother the Celtics the entire season. But go ahead. Yeah. So this was a Brad Stevens on with Bob Ryan and Jeff Goodman. Um, I think this podcast came out today. Um, quote: I think there'll be a transition like that because of the short offseason. Just talking about you know whether what they're going to do with Kemba. It'll be sometime before he's going full speed for us for sure. Um, and then there's a longer quote and he finishes off saying, I, you know, I anticipate again, we'll be slow with him as the season starts, as practice starts. So considering training camp is only going to be three weeks. Um, that sounds like maybe Jeff Teague's your point guard opening or at the least Gemba Walker is on a minutes limit on opening night. Yikes. That's not mm. good. And so that makes me think that there's another, like, if that's the case, the Celtics need another veteran on this bench. I mean, this bench is incredibly young as is, but if Kemba is out, then your entire bench is like rookie and second year guys, um, essentially, assuming Marcus Martin and Jeff Teague are starting. I mean, at least, at least your wings and your guards anyway are all, are all young guys. So, um, you know, Jeff Teague obviously can step right in if they want to keep smart in a, a shoot, uh, you know, ventral or playing the two. But I, I, I'll throw this out first, though. What's your guys starting, assuming a, a, a not a big name comes in, what's your guys starting five for this group with, with Gordon? Before, before I answer that question, um, I believe Reggie Jackson's still available. Just want to, you know, Reggie Jackson and Jeff Teague would just be <laughs> <laughs> tremendous. Um, what's the starting five? So without Kemba, you're saying? Yeah, or no, even with Kemba, like, what's the? Is it, is it definitely Marcus? I or, hope not. or is it something? Um, I, you know, I would be fascinated by. Hmm. I would be fascinated by Grant Williams at the four, mm-hmm. or sliding Tatum up to the four and having Romeo Langford, you can just say whatever positionally. I mean, I like that. I think those are pretty inter- interchangeable on the wing with, with Jalen Romeo and Tatum, but so Romeo is also hurt. It's looking well, Romeo's had wrist surgery. So it sounds like he's not going to be ready either to add another. So half, your starting, half of your starting lineup, Mike is out. <laughs> no, we start, cool, Steve- cool. start Brad yep. Stevens at, at point guard, I think. Um, but Neesmith, okay. is Neesmith going to start then? Like, if Romeo's out, like, could that happen? Uh, I, you know, I don't think so. I mean, okay, so let's break it down. Like, Tristan Thompson starting at the five, right? I think that even if Tice comes back, that would be what makes the most sense. If Do you guys agree with that or no? For, say it again? Thompson. Tristan Thompson. Yeah, I, I like assume he's... Like, at the five? Yeah, I think that's a safe. Like, he's here. I imagine part of the cell job was saying you can, you're going to start um he also i nobody watched the cleveland cavaliers play basketball last year but he was fine like and he's still i think he's a pretty good player still i thought he was going to go to the clippers i was pleasantly surprised that he ended up in boston so like i don't know how you guys feel but um like i think boston should be pretty excited about that he started shooting threes a bit last year too for the first time. I, we don't need to talk about that part of it. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, listen, I think I, I think it's, it's it's nice to know that's part of that's at least a little bit a part of his game. Well, he was th- the lineups that they were playing would be like Andre Drummond, Tristan Thompson, and uh, like Kevin Love or and Larry Nance, like just like uh, really not not NBA lineups. I didn't know what Cleveland was doing towards the end, but. I would imagine Tristan being more, you know, the rim running offensive rebound, the offensive glass, the things that he's become known for throughout his career. Um, but yeah, so I would put Tristan at the five, um, you know, Tatum, Jalen, obviously. I like, I like Grant Williams in this, in the starting lineup, honestly. Ooh, um, I like that. Yeah. I like, he played so well in the bubble in my eyes in big games and shot the ball really well, probably should have played. I mean, he was on the floor in one of the biggest games of the season. Uh, game seven at the very end made the series winning block on Fred Van Vliet. Um, yeah. I, I, I trust him. He's one of those players who when he's around, 
like really talented players. He just brings out, he helps everybody else and congeals what everyone is trying to do, particularly on defense. So I, I would be fine with him in the starting five. I think I would be pretty confident in that as well. And, and again, like I said quickly, I, th- I think this team is at its best when Marcus is coming off the bench. I just think it allows him to play the way that he would like to a little bit more, you know, maybe let him shoot a little bit more with not, he's not in this case, he's not taking shots necessarily away from Tatum and Kemba and, and Jalen, but more of a, the, the second unit kind of guys. I just think just for the identity of this team to give a little bit more respect for the bench with this, with the second unit, a little bit more, you know, whatever it is the bench just needs something. And I think Marcus can do that. And also it might help the stars a little bit to not have him out there. He's going to finish, but I'm just talking about right. the beginning of games and as you're leading up to hopeful crunch time. Yeah. I think there's certainly a case to be made there. And I mean, it will probably come down to um, like if, if, if Kemba's out early on, they might just put smart in there because he, you know, knows the system well to, to fill in for it. But I I'm with Mike in terms of maybe going the Grant Williams route, um, you know, and going Jalen at the two, uh, Tatum at the three, and then Grant at the four from a standpoint that Grant is, if he can, if that three point shooting in the bubble was real and is he's closer to like a 35% guy now. And he's also not going to steal shots away from the guys who want taking shots, Tatum Brown and Kemba when he's healthy. So um, you get that. And then you have Smart and Teague, you know, kind of just running the show off the bench, which they're going to need to with the young guys. But having Tice with that bench unit, I think, will be could look pretty damn good too in terms of what that group could do. Can Can Tice and Time Lord play together or no? Right. Well, that's the question now. Do you like are double bigs like given how shallow they are at the wing right now? Are they going to start rolling out double bigs regularly? Like just because that's kind of the strength of their team or this because they want to have time lord play man i mean this gets into the question of trading tice right yeah like i think that that's something that needs to be explored um because like i like rob williams is uh like i have pretty high expectations for him this season making a leap and getting more minutes and looking more consistent on both ends of the floor um so I don't know. I mean, like if you're opening up a spot for him, that would be fine with me. Honestly, if you have Tristan and you have, I mean, Tice can do a lot of different things that neither one of those two can do very well. Um, IE shoot threes <laughs> and, you know, handle the ball a little bit more on the perimeter. Although I think Rob Williams is, has potential to be a pretty good passer, but I think like they would probably play Shemi. You know, like, I don't think they would play two bigs. I really don't. Maybe I'm wrong. What do you like? Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. I think it's like, but Rich, like, was Shemi even going to be on this team if like Hayward was coming back? Probably not. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, I guess again, for a, a guy for that money who knows the system, who I, are we giving up on, on Shemi as a shooter? Is there any way or moving forward? If it, it would have happened already, I think. Yeah, I mean, he he was good. Like, he had a, what, 37% of the regular season last year. He just didn't, when the playoffs came around, it just wasn't there. And so he was, you know, he obviously brings nothing to the table in that, from that standpoint if, he, if he's not it's fine. So, so let's say he can go 37 38%. I mean, that, that's, that's better than, than what I thought it was. I guess that, that's passable. But you would hope, you'd like to think that, that the rookie is going to take a sizable chunk of those minutes. We haven't really talked about him. But, um yeah, I think I think Shemi's probably the the in case of emergency role at this point. Or maybe that's wishful thinking. I think that Neesmith would Neesmith's really fascinating um, for a variety of reasons on the offensive end. I think defensively he'll probably like it'll be a little steeper for him, and so I I can't see unless he has some amazing training camp. Um, and like blows the coaching staff away. I can't see him really getting a firm spot in the rotation because of uh, drawbacks on the defensive side of the ball, but maybe his shooting, they just don't care. And they see his size and his length and they're just like, get out there and you make everybody else around you better. We can do more things offensively running you around screens and all that sort of stuff that we haven't been able to really do with anybody in a while. So um Neesmith yeah I'm I'm excited for the Neesmith experience as well 
it's, I mean, when's the last time the Celtics had a shooter like him or just someone who's supposed to be a shooter like him? Hmm. Like Eddie House? Ray Allen, yeah. Ray say. Allen, oh, yeah. like, I mean, Ray Allen, obviously, like, one of the greatest shooters of the time. But, <laughs> um, but like, <laughs> I mean, if he can be, but like, even, you know, they just haven't had a guy that teams have to be fully occupied with running around screens or just like creating havoc off the ball. And we'll see again, we'll, we don't know how well this is going to translate. The, the 52% three point shooting last year is, is inflated a little bit from Evan Roe because he only played 14 games and then he got hurt. So he was playing a pretty, you mean that's bad, not sustainable. Apparently that's not sustainable. I, I mean, we'll see. I was expecting 55, um, in his right. years, but, but I think he's going to get a chance now. Like maybe they're just going to say, Hey, like we, we've gone through a long time now where we haven't had, you know, rookies been able to help right out of the gate, whether it's they get chances like Carson Edwards or whether they don't um, like, you know, Rob Williams, cause he's been so hurt and stuff for most of his first couple of years, but Neesmith by keeping that pick that tells me, okay, you know, we're getting a gay guy here and he, his, his strength is offense. And that's generally not been the way they've drafted and really, just this whole conversation is making making it more clear. And not that not not that we didn't know this already, but this is Tatum and Jalen are busts. I mean, especially if yeah. especially if they're already slow playing Kemba, if we're already going to assume that Kemba's knee is going to be a problem this season, uh, that their everything is in is in that basket is in the, the basket of the Jays because there's not much else. Because you look around at the, at the rest of the league, you look at what the Bucks did, you know, with their bench. I mean, we talk about the problems that the Celtics are having. I mean, the Bucks have like five established veterans coming yeah. off the bench at this point. They loaded up. Um, you got you got the Sixers bringing on uh, Seth Curry uh, and a few other guys. It is just like the the starters, especially those two guys, are going to have to carry the Celtics for everything they get this year. And uh, it's it's exciting because those are two guys that you that you want to bet on. But it's also a little bit scary, you know. I I really feel like they have gone from one of the easily one of the top three teams in the conference to like, I don't know, like, would you be shocked if they didn't have home, home court advantage next year's playoffs? Okay. Well, I think we should talk about this now. Let's get into yeah. this. Discussion. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right, let's look out to the East. A little um, bit. Okay. So these are the, I think the, the contenders in the East are still the same teams that we kind of penciled in an earlier discussion back when Antoine Walker was uh, <laughs> on the team. His, um, second, his Mil- second time with the team. <laughs> Yes, of course. Um, you have the Bucks, who Giannis has not signed the Supermax yet. They completely bungled, embarrassingly, a sign-and-trade with Bogdan Bogdanovich. Can we talk about that for a made... second? Like, sure, yeah, of course. I'm here. Like, what's, what's your – how do you think that went down, Mike? Was it, is it, for me, was it as simple as Bogdanovich's agents, like, finding out, uh-huh. oh, wait, we, there's another team that will pay us more than this? okay, yeah, we're not doing this, and then it all falls apart? Or was it something beyond that? I mean, this is one of those things where I'm just curious on how the information was obtained and who leaked it. You know, if, let's say, I'm just speaking, like, I I don't know what happened, but if the Bucks leaked that they did this so they could, you know, Giannis is in Greece, and (laughs) they leaked this to let... They le- leak this to let the rest of the league know that, hey, like we're super confident that we're going to re-sign this guy, so don't even worry about it. You can sign free agents to long-term contracts because he's not going to be available. It doesn't matter. Um, and really just send a message. Then, like, I don't – like, I, I don't – I'm not saying that the Bucks did that, but, like, I just feel like this was leaked information before – anything was done which is and it's totally fine i mean it's not totally fine if they had an actual agreement in place and then you back out you don't want to do that if you're an agent but like i don't know i it's a i I see it from a lot of different angles because like if i'm the bucks um i don't give up three first round picks and two pick swaps for drew holiday unless i know i'm getting bogdan bogdanovich as well so they must have been blindsided by the whole thing It's it. I mean, it's like I, if they pulled that off, that would have been a monster offseason for them. But to to Rich's point, they still added a lot of you know respectable. Veterans. Well, who do you who do you like that they that they signed? 
I mean, I like DJ Augustine as a backup point guard um, and a guy who can hit uh-huh. threes at a pretty decent clip. I mean, Portis there for that money, I mean, that, that has potential to be disaster, but, I mean, he can still shoot. Um, whether he's shooting too much is going to be the question. And I don't know. I mean, Drew Holiday is Drew Holiday. There's a reason why the Celtics were going after Drew Holiday, too. So it's, that's, that solves their client a closing lineup problem to a degree because you have you know, three guys that you can always count on in there and not having Holiday for Eric Bledsoe is just a huge swing for them. And, they, and George Hill, though. They lose George Hill. That's true. George Hill was pretty big in the playoffs every year. And that's why the Celtics should probably trade for him right now. He was also pretty big because uh, Bledsoe was so bad. Also true. Yeah. Maybe you won't need him quite as much if you have Drew. But yeah, and then you they, got, I mean, Brooklyn. Brooklyn obviously did, you know, have KD and Kyrie. They haven't gotten rid of all their other guys quite yet. We don't know what's going to happen there, but they re-signed Joe Harris. That seems like a deeper team. I don't know if it's necessarily a better team than the Celtics, but on paper, it certainly looks uh, more imposing. Brooklyn is pretty scary just because they would have the best player in any matchup, I think. Um, so that's just kind of what it is. If KD's, KD looks like KD, then, um, I mean, he's the best player in the conference, I think. Uh, nope. Like, apologies to Giannis, but I'd take KD over Giannis. Um, and, like, so I guess, so, like, the other contenders that we have to really talk about here are, like, do we think Toronto is still on this level? No. Like, you know, they re-signed Fred Van Fleet. Um, they have OG Ananobi potentially making more strides. They have Pascal Siakam, who was absolutely garbage <laughs> in the playoffs, but is a better player than that. Yeah. Uh, Kyle Lowry, a year older. Aaron Baines. Uh, sign Aaron yeah. Baines. That's pretty interesting. They lose, obviously, their starting front court for most of the season in Abaka and uh, Marcus All. But I don't know. Are you re- you're, so it sounds like you're writing them off, B-Rob. I'm not writing them off entirely, but I think – Losing Abaka for nothing. Um, Gasol, I think, is pretty washed at this point. So that's, you know, going – Baines over Gasol, I think, is an upgrade. Losing Abaka and just, like, his three-point shooting is tough for a team that there's not a ton of offense there. So, yeah, to your point, though, Mike, like, if Siakam bounces back and comes back motivated after that nightmare, you know, bubble experience for him, then, yeah, then they can be right there – with the Celtics, maybe even above them if they if they stay healthy. But um, if not, I think that's the one team that you know maybe drop down a little bit with with Boston. Do we do we need to start referring to them as Tampa for for the next little bit? <laughs> Ooh, good. So, so I have a I have a it's so interesting you say that I have a quick thing that I want to maybe I'll, I don't know if I should even say this because like I want to do a story about it and I want to give up my idea, but like maybe it's not even that interesting, like. <laughs> <laughs> One of the big reasons that players don't go to Toronto is the tax situation. Yeah. Like if you don't play any games in Canada, then you're not taxed Canadian dollar. Right. So that's correct. Like Fred Van Fleet must be doing somersaults because like Florida that tax situation is completely different. And one of them, that's why Florida has been so attractive to NBA players over the years. Right. Like, I don't know. I feel like that's something that's an interesting thing. I don't know. I like, I don't know what they're, what's there, there, but like, it's correct. That's definitely playing in Tampa for the season. You wonder how that's going to mess with these guys. It's almost going to be like another little bubble for them. Uh, but what about my, in Miami? I mean, Avery Bradley, I, I, I think he's probably got a little bit left. And who's the other? They got Miami brought in someone yeah, else. Yeah, Mo Harkless, uh, too. Oh, yeah, he stinks. Um, I'm not worried about Mo, yeah. Mo Harkless. But then who else? Um, well, they lost, they lost Crowder. Right. You, lost you didn't just say that, right? Yeah. No, they lost Jay Crowder, who is the starting, I mean, starter for them in the finals and shot the ball pretty well throughout the, the, the postseason. Um, they lost Stahl Hill. Mm, Saul Hill. I have not heard anyone <laughs> refer to him like that. I, li- I like that nickname. That's that's pretty clever. Um, I mean, you assume that Tyler Hero will like get even better, um, and obviously, you don't need to remind Celtics fans of what Tyler Hero uh, is capable of. Um, they just re-signed Bam to his rookie max extension, which is sending ripples throughout the league because. Bam sent Bam shares the same agent as Giannis. And if you read tea leaves, 
that would you would assume Giannis that Miami knows that Giannis is not or or just not going to Miami. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, yeah, I, I like Miami is. I mean, they also lost uh, Derek Jones Jr. too. Oh yeah, Portland. Um, yeah, yeah. So. I mean, I'm not like writing Miami off at all. I still think that they're super dangerous in a lot of ways, and maybe they were beneficial. The bubble, the bubble experience benefited them a little bit more than some other teams, and they had some matchup advantages and et cetera, et cetera. But like, I think there's they should still be viewed as a title contender, right? Yeah, and even and I'm not saying I'm not saying as you say title contender. I'm not saying that the Pacers are title contenders, but like bringing bringing the holidays, Jeremy Lamb, those guys off the bench. I mean, even though even that bench is is more imposing than the, than than what the Celtics have. I mean, the stars aren't quite the same. You know, uh, clearly, you know, if they were trying to get rid of Miles Turner, you know, the Sabonis and Turner maybe a little bit of overlap. Who knows what Old Depot is going to look like um, with with another mini offseason to rest himself? But clearly, I mean, Brogdon's as good as everyone you know as as advertised um I, that's another team I, I don't know if you can definitely say that the celtics are better than the pacers and then don't, we haven't even brought philly yet i want to yeah. talk yeah i want to talk yeah. about philly Philly, i like, like what they did i like philly pacers i gotta disagree i gotta disagree with that comment i have no fear about the indiana pacers um new coach Mike. want can you pronounce I can't pronounce his name, name? but I, it, okay. I can't pronounce well, it. Either. So we'll wait on being <laughs> him until, until I figure out his name. Um, I mean, I, I don't know how you, what you guys think, but like I am not a fan of Miles Turner and was I did not want him on the Celtics. Like, There's Danny Ainge. I'd, I'd rather have – I mean, just watch like, you know, you just got beasted by Bam Adebayo, right? Watch yeah, like, any matchup with the Pacers in the heat and what Bam Adebayo does to Miles Turner and the things that he said about how Miles Turner made Team USA over him and how that enrages him and motivates like I would not go anywhere <laughs> near Miles Turner like I just that, that's just me I he bat, something about his game I just don't no I, don't I mean like. 100% like I what I I honestly just did what you said like when the Turner rumors just came up I went back I watched like game three of the Pacers heat this year in the first round and just watched like Miles Turner versus Bam and was like, yeah, Miles it's Turner. Ugly. It's not, it's not good. And it's not going to get any better. Like Turner is what he is now. So it's, you don't, do you want to pay that guy $18 million? No. When you already have three max guys locked up essentially. No. So that's, mm-hmm. and so. If, if, if Ainge wanted Miles, is, is Gordon on the Pacers right now? Pierre? 100%. 100%. 100%. The he, from what I hear, and just would this is some speculation on my end, but it's like he was holding out. Okay, we'll take Miles Turner, but like you need to give us a win as part of this deal somewhere because Miles Turner is not a win. Doug McDermott, who was rumored to be the other name they offered, was not a win. So it had to have been like a younger guy or a draft pick, like Aaron Holiday, something like that. And the Pacers are like, screw that, we're not giving you like anything good. Like, what, what, what position do you have to leverage here? And then that's when I think that standoff happened between Ainge and Pritchard and Alrich. Like, do you feel like, I feel like there might've been some bad blood there or like back from the Paul George negotiations a couple of years ago, yeah. where I think there was a quote from Pritchard saying like, yeah, Ainge was offering me like Larry Bird, like as a, <laughs> like from like 30 years ago, like literally just like crapping on the Celtics offers at that point. So I think it's clear that there was no love lost between those two sides. And maybe that's when Hayward was like, well, this isn't going to get solved. I'm going to just go get my money. I'm going to go take my 120 million. Yeah. So then you got, you got the Sixers, Danny Green, uh, Seth Curry. We mentioned uh, Dwight Howard. Uh, all of a sudden the makings of a, of a, of an actual modern day NBA team. The fact that they, I'm fascinated by, uh, the Dwight Howard signing, Daryl knows Dwight, obviously, didn't end well. How um, long was that? Like six, seven years ago? It, it seems like a million years ago, but I, it, it was only like, what, four, right? Four? Oh my God, I gotta look this up. I can look that up in a second, but like, um, then they trade for Tony Bradley. Like, 
Yeah. What am I missing? I, I, I mean, obviously, we, you know, we're in the early, actually, it's not the early stages of the off season because the season starts in like six days. But that was just uh, kind of weird to me because if you, I, I wouldn't be bringing in so many fives with Joel Embiid on your team unless, I don't know, like you aren't going to be playing him too much during the regular season. I, 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 I was a little uh, confused by that one. Yeah, I mean, combined, Howard and Bradley are making about like three and a half million, right? So I guess that helps a little bit. You can you, you can get some depth, you know. And you're not it risking too five much. Five years ago, for right. the record, I know you're exactly right. Rick. That's crazy. That's only five years. And and do they still have O'Quinn as well? Yeah, they still have O'Quinn on that roster. That's a beefy um, bench right there. Yeah, but at least again, they like Mori comes in like, oh yeah, what should we do? Shooters, how about that? Um, Amazing how easy it is. Not not just shooters, the the goddamn Curry. Yeah, I mean, his, his <laughs> arguably the best shooter alive. Yeah, yeah, um, that's, that's scary. And Danny Green, who uh, you know, has seen better days, but can, can still get it done. All he does is win championships. I mean, yeah. I, you know, having that guy on your team, that's fine. But um, yeah, I mean, this is. I was fascinated by the Philly like fan blogger Twitter reaction, which was like not. Like I'm talking about on draft night, which is like not that excited. And like, I mean, on one hand, Daryl Morey is coming in and he's doing uh, common sense transactions. He's adding shooting around a franchise player who can't shoot and refuses <laughs> to shoot, and uh, a, the best center in basketball. Like that's what, that's just like what you do. This is 2020, 2021. Like that's just you know. Elton Brand just didn't get the memo. Um, but, like, it, it also elevates them to a different level. Like, it, they were their own worst enemy for so long. And if you can, uh, like, not be your own worst enemy and not shoot yourself <laughs> in the foot, they like, Ben Simmons is super talented, um, particularly on the defensive end. And Joel Embiid is Joel Embiid. If he is um, what he can be, like, that's that's a scary team. It is. So, go back to Rich's original point. Like, getting home court advantage in the East is not going to be easy for the Celtics, even if they're healthy. And if if Kemba's down early part of the year, then it's certainly not like a a transitional year because you know Tatum and Brown can take the leap. And you know, if if Tatum turns into a top five guy consistently, then you know you can play with anyone in the East. Um, but there's a lot of pressure on the rest of this roster to to contribute because they there's just not the depth there that you know we were complaining about bench depth was a weakness last year and now you look at it now and it's like well last year's bench actually looks might be end up better than this group if you know if if guys get hurt and there's nothing left to do right i mean the the roster spots are full no but i bet i mean there's guys at the end like i can't imagine i think javante javante green is tight with tatum and I think he serves a, he's a good 15th man. So I could see him sticking around. I can't see like, I could see Carson Edwards, like having to play his way on the team. I could see an extra veteran being brought in and then like the final roster spot being up for grabs between like Carson and, and Shemi and maybe a couple other guys. I don't know, but it's, it's from my water. I mean, trauma is on two way. He resigned yeah. a two way. So he, they at least know that they're not going to lose him, uh, but maybe he earns, maybe he earns the, the final spot on the, the 50 man and mm-hmm. and they just cut Carson. I don't know. Did Bazemore end up anywhere? I know we talked about that for a second. Golden State. Golden State. He did. Great signing. Celtics were they they took a run at him, but he went back to the bay for I mean he'll get yeah, tons of roots. chances there. Um so yeah the, I mean the free agent market the guys left out there are very uninspiring. So I feel like maybe you'll get something back if the sign trade happens. Um that's probably your best bet to actually get someone solid in here but if not it's uh it's pretty slim pickings in terms of what's left out there we didn't talk about pritchard at all there i mean again you don't you don't draft a 22 year old to uh to bring him along slowly you wouldn't think not going to maine at least at least i hope they not going to maine (laughs) did you i i haven't seen much of him did what do you guys i mean it seems like he can shoot from the parking lot is what it looks like um yeah so um He's from Oregon, obviously. 
and uh, Gulliver, my co-host on the Open Floor podcast, um, uh, was telling me about how uh, Peyton Pritchard went to this high school that was like known to just be absolutely atrocious uh, at sports. Um, and you would like circle them on and colors from Oregon and you would circle them on your calendar and like always get W's no matter what every year. Um, and Peyton Pritchard went there and they won the state championship in basketball all four years, which is just wild. Um, so he has like a big pedigree coming out of, uh, of Oregon plays four years at university of Oregon and is, uh, I mean, shoots the hell out of the ball, scrappy. Um, the Fred Van Vliet comparisons are, I guess, exciting if you're a Celtics fan, cause Fred Van Vliet gets after it, does not get bullied despite his size on the defensive end and just parlayed all of his hard work to an $82 million contract. So that's great. Um, I don't know, I, you know, it would be, a nothing short of a miracle if he actually is Fred Van Fleet and that good but they obviously love him I mean he's I think like a lot of people wanted Desmond Bain in that slot just like people on Twitter and looking at mock drafts and whatnot but Pritchard I don't know like he can shoot and shooting matters and he can handle the ball and he's not afraid of big moments I'm looking on his Wikipedia page right here it says as a senior Pritchard was the best player in collegiate basketball yeah, he won. End, 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 end of sentence. <laughs> That's what I said. He was the best player in collegiate basketball. Won, it, won the Bob Cousy Award. Yeah, won the Bob Cousy Award. Back 12. I think, and to your point, Mike, with Pritchard and Neesmith, I think, honestly, Danny probably, they or even Brad, they have probably looked at the zone that the Heat and the Raptors threw at them in the playoffs and were like, okay, we just need guys that can catch and shoot and make teams pay for this around our stars. And we don't, we have some guys we think can do that, like, but we need just two guys when push comes to shove in that situation, like, you know, they're going to make you pay and they can, they can pull up from, you know, deep. And I think that that's, that was honestly probably their biggest bench need going in. And the fact that they addressed it with both guys in the first round is, you know, I mean, we'll see if it translates, but I think, I think it's a good move. I think, you know, you say catch and shoot. That's obviously important. I, I view it as catch and shoot, but also, catch and put it on the floor, um, which is just an increasingly, like you just have to be able to do that in the NBA. And one of the things when I was, I wrote this thing about like, quote unquote, three and D players who intrigued me in the draft. It was Sadiq Bey, Aaron Neesmith, and um, I am blanking on, he was drafted by the Spurs. I'm blanking on his name. Um, Out of Florida State. Yes, 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 yes. Not Halliburton, no. Um, Vassal, yeah. and uh, Neesmith is so interesting because he's got the length defensively. Uh, obviously, he can shoot the ball, but he also has, like, you know, step backs and sidesteps. And if you close out hard on him, he's going to straight line drive to the basket. And he's not super athletic to finish there. But you would think that, you know, um, with more space as you get in the NBA, the passing lanes will become more evident to him. He said the game is slowing down, et cetera. So I'm interested in the other aspects of his game beyond just shooting. Like, I don't think you draft someone like that to be JJ Redick for you. I think you want him to be a little bit more and diversify your offense a little bit. For sure. And if he can, you know, hopefully that comes with time, but at least I think out of the gate right now, he'll at least, give you that shooting component and then if the rest of that game the dribble game that you talked about Mike like develops a bit and Bridget is already there with him like you you have a knockdown point guard shooter that can create for himself and seems to be the king of just taking really you know and making a really tough shots based on the you know 20 minutes of film I've watched then <laughs> <laughs> all right anything to uh to wrap it up any any more lingering thoughts uh, this is fun this is nice this is nice all, all getting back together it was. And so I guess we'll, we'll be back. Uh, we'll probably be back later this week. This crew hopefully will be back next week. Um, there may be a resolution to the Hayward situation. I would think that what training camps, what next week guys, like December, is it really? I don't know what date is. December, December 1st, I think. Yeah. It's, it's like, yeah. So next Wednesday. So that is insane. There's not going to be much time for this to drag out. So we shouldn't know the, 
the Celtics roster by the end of the week. And um, we'll be able to respond to that in full. And I mean, less than a month till regular season basketball boys. Like, have you guys heard, have you guys heard anything about your access for, for training camp B Rob? Is it pretty much hands off? Cause it's going to be zooms and it's no, one's, zooms. no one's setting, no one's setting foot in that practice facility. Huh? I would be shocked if we're allowed into the Iraq center. Um, the garden, I assume is going to be open for us to watch from pretty high up somewhere. Um, but, cool. uh, yeah, it's kind of so? yeah, that's the sounds. I mean, it, nothing's confirmed yet, but I, I imagine they're going to open it up. Cause like, it's like, yeah, if if they're even if the NBA is considering having fans in these buildings, then yeah, you're letting media in. Like, <laughs> so they, they yeah. well, there's a, there's a one difference between uh, fans and <laughs> the media when the NBA is making these decisions. Uh, <laughs> how one much, minor how much, how much, difference. <laughs> the, those media passes are going to become like taxi medallions. It's going to be a hundred thousand, <laughs> hundred thousand dollars for a uh, for a necklace. Uh, so what's the latest? Are there, I know the Warriors are planning on having fans, right? No, they called mm-hmm. that off. No, well, the latest is the state of California will not allow ah. anyone in the Staples Center. Um, the story about the Warriors was like them lobbying Gavin Newsom to change the rules for them by because he has this or Lake Up is has this developed this rapid response testing system, et cetera. I don't, I don't really know, but um, no, the last I saw was that California couldn't do it. Rich, you're out there. You should be on top of this. I know. I know. It's a little, it's a little North, a little North for me. Um, it's but yeah, the same Richard, state, Rich. It's the same state. Is it? Wait, <laughs> I thought, I thought it was golden state. That's, that's different. That than is California. true. Uh, yeah, I know. The Warriors just. Are you looked- making these uh, the dad jokes? First of all, if you're gonna make dad <laughs> jokes, they gotta be ten out of a ten. Come on. Well, I think it's, isn't the whole point of a dad joke that it sucks? I, I guess there are different levels of dad jokes. Ten of ten dad joke, yeah. like you know. You yeah, to- you gotta yeah. like max out the dadness of the joke. Well, no, for, we weren't recording, but earlier, B Rob mentioned a mic, <laughs> and I made reference to Mike Pina. That was that, that, that was, was a ten of ten. That was yeah. that's, that's what I'm talking top. about. Yeah, you set the bar high with that one. Anyways, if the Warriors had just moved to Tampa for the year, they could have had as probably as many fans as they want in the in the stadium. The Raptors are, are using their Galaxy brands on that one. Real, get that get that cash. Um, all right, so we'll be back. Likely Ryan and I will be back later this week um, to uh, wrap things up from the Celtics standpoint. Um, be sure to follow us at Winning Plays Pod. Rate, review, subscribe to the Winning Plays Pod. Uh, follow Mike at at Michael B. Pina, at Rich underscore Levine. Um, and yeah, busy week and it won't stop. So we'll be keeping the, the podcast coming for you guys here.